Hey everyone, before the episode begins, I just want to give a quick warning that I'm going to refer to James Goldman as William Goldman for a long time in this episode, and then I will read his name correctly and realize I had been making that mistake the entire time. So when you start hearing me talk about William Goldman, don't freak out. I will find out that I am making a huge and common error about two brothers who are both very talented and both did very amazing bits of writing and unfortunately died 20 years apart from each other and one of them is not the other one and the other one's not that one. So understand that I correct my error and I acknowledge my error and I beat myself up about it for a while in the episode, rest assured. Otherwise, enjoy this conversation my child and I have about Evening Primrose by John Collier. So I'm trying. I'm going to try to uh, to keep these shorter than our usual episodes. That makes sense, considering this story is what five pages long. Which I yeah, it's it's a quick it's a quick one. It's a mm-hmm. quick it's it 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 doesn't spend a whole lot of time on 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 extraneous details. No, it doesn't. Uh, it is absolutely awful and horrifying, though. Is it horrifying? I hate mannequins so Ooh. much. But they're not real mannequins. Somehow that's worse. They're well, then they become real mannequins. It's about, it's really kind of a story about manufacturing, about how to create a mannequin. Yeah, that's how mannequins are made, didn't you know? <laughs> yep, they're made by naughty people who break the rules. No, they're made from naughty people. I was gonna say the they're rules. made out of naughty people who break the rules. They're made by. <laughs> Creepy mole people. Creepy, creepy ghouls. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of naughty people who break the rules. Speaking of creepy ghouls. Hey everyone, I'm Phil. And I'm Willow. And it's It's Del Toro Toro time. March twenty first. Today I made my decision. I would turn my back for good and all upon the bourgeois world that hates a poet. I would leave, get out, break away. And I have done it. I am free. Free as the moat that dances in the sunbeam. Free as a housefly crossing first class in the largest of luxury liners. Free as my verse. Free as the food I shall eat, the paper I write upon, the lamb's wool lined, softly slithering slippers I shall wear. This morning I had not so much as a car fare. Now I am here on velvet. You are itching to learn of this haven. You would like to organize trips here, spoil it, send your relations-in-law, perhaps even come yourself. After all, this journal will hardly fall into your hands until I am dead. I'll tell you. I am at Bracy's giant emporium as happy as a mouse in the middle of an immense cheese, and the world shall know me no more. Creepy Mannequins. The Evening Primrose. Evening Primrose by John Collier. What can you tell me about John Collier? Anything? No. John Collier has this great quote uh, that I found where he says, I sometimes marvel that a third-rate writer like me has been able to palm himself off as a second-rate writer. (laughs) (laughs) He had a funny life. He, uh, He wanted to be a poet. Uh, he was born oh, really? in ni- he was born in 1901. He wanted to be a poet, 
And so he told his dad, I don't want to pursue a real job. I want to be a poet. And his dad was all, great. Here's all the money you need. Go go become a professional poet. <laughs> I was like, I was, and when I read that, I was not expecting that twist. It's like the opposite of those uh, dads in those like teen teen movies where like the son has to be it's not my dream dad it's yours he's like here's my dream dad i want to write poetry and his dad's like no son of mine is not going to have the full support of his father you go out and be a poet john collier (laughs) funny twist to that he failed he was not a successful poet oh really so he wrote a novel called the monkey wife (laughs) which is about a man who marries a monkey as one does. And people were like, this guy's the greatest. And so he just kept writing and he wrote hundreds of short stories, which were super successful. And a lot of them were like turned into like Twilight Zone episodes. Or hour-long musicals. Or hour-long musicals. He also contributed to the screenplay for The African Queen, the screenplay for I Am a Camera. So he, he worked in Hollywood for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he married a silent movie actress, lived in L.A., uh, he was pretty successful. And then his stories just kind of disappeared. Even after they were compiled into like a really successful collection of of short stories mm-hmm. that were like did really well, then they just kind of faded off. And he he's kind of become like this super successful guy who became a forgotten author, except for Evening Primrose, which only I think stuck around because of the musical. Was the I read somewhere that the musical was supposed to be the episode of a TV show. It was the episode of a TV show. And we'll get to yeah. that after we discuss. Let's talk about this this short story, Evening Primrose. Uh, what can you tell me about it? Well, it's about... Oh, oh by the way, everyone, uh, this is an episode of our... This is, if you're confused, this is our... Uh, this is our continue. We're continuing our coverage of uh, David G. Hartwell's The Dark Descent. This is the second story in Dark Descent. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a bad podcast host. <laughs> can I finish? <laughs> Okay, so you can begin, actually. (laughs) I did begin. You interrupted me. I totally interrupted you. I'm the bad podcast host. No, you're not. But you're a good co-host. No, I'm not. (laughs) So, so, so what can you tell me about the evening, about Evening Primrose? It's about a man. Yeah. Who moves into a store Mm -hmm. because he's a poet (laughs) and he can't afford to live in the real world. Now, when you say he moves into a store, does he have permission to move into this store? He just sneaks in and moves in, huh? Yeah. It's like make... how it's like how I imagine people start working at IKEA. <laughs> they just move in one day and then they're then they're employees. Yeah. Yeah, and his name is Snell. His name is uh his last name is Snell. Mr. Snell. Mr. Snell. And uh and I love I love so this this short short story is like you said, it's hardly any pages long at all. Yeah. And so it's... he's just, it's yeah. told through like journal entries. Mhm. And he's like, "I'm moving into a store." And then he does. Mhm. He's cuz no one appreciates him. He's sick and tired of the world, and he figures he's got this great idea to move into a department store. He'll 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 come out at night, he'll live off the department store, and then he'll hide during the day and he'll have a great life and he'll write poetry. He's as happy as a mouse in the middle of an immense cheese. <laughs> Which is also what it's like being inside the slide at Chuck E. Cheese's. <laughs> Although I think they don't have that anymore. When did I was you, a kid, they did, and it was a giant block of cheese with a slide inside. Did you touch the rat? <laughs> That's why they threw me out of Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Chunky cheese. <laughs> they threw me out of Chunky Cheese because I touched the rat. Um, no uh, one understands what we're talking about now. I am sure there are plenty of Tumblr yeah. followers. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. 
Hopefully. Um, speaking of chunky cheese, uh, is he alone in the in the department store? No. Oh, who else is in this department store? The night watchman. And that's it. No one else. <laughs> no one else. Just this friendly night watchman. No, the store is filled with ghouls. Yep. Horrible people who've lived there for many years. Many years. Mm-hmm. Decades even. Uh, they're all old and they're all pale. And they're so inhuman at this point that it's that they're hard to look at. Mm-hmm. And they pretend to be mannequins. Pre- oh. Yeah, they pretend to be mannequins during the day if they get caught. Mm-hmm. Um so tell me about this little society of people who live in the department store. They're gross and creepy and I hate them. But how do they function? Like what's their like setup? They sneak around. It's kind of like they're all there and they serve one person. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Vanderpant slash <laughs> Miss Monday. Yeah. And yeah, she's kind of the matriarch. Mm-hmm. And they all, yeah, they kind of follow her. But there's all these rules like... You can't be seen by people. Mm-hmm. You can never leave the department store unless you all go as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're there. You're there for. Lo- and what happens if you break the rules? The uh, what is it? The dark men. Yeah. Come for you. Yeah. So they're like much like the littles. Yeah. Uh, there are different colonies of people who live in the walls and behind under the ground of different buildings, and they have their different like cultures and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the dark, the dark men, they're from the mortuary. Yeah. There's, yeah. So they're people who moved into the mortuary, presumably. But mm-hmm. they are, they are the most like, s- like subterranean, almost Lovecraftian ghouls. Uh, they appear to be cannibals. Or something. Yeah. Uh, unless they don't eat. <laughs> right. A lot is left unanswered in this. Uh, yeah. He only sees the dark men once that we know of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not a pleasant experience. Yeah. So it sounds like this guy, Mr. Snell, Poet Snell, mm-hmm. is all alone. He, he has no one who he can talk to or relate to. Except for? Yes. Ella. Ella. And what happens with, who is she, like, what is her position at the department store? She's a maid. Yeah. Like, that sucks. Yeah. It sounds like she fell asleep one day when she was, like, seven years old. Six. Six years old, she like fell asleep in the mm-hmm. store, and then everyone's like, her mom just I guess forgot about her. Yeah. Uh, it, it, this is the in a, in a in the nineteen eighties, she would have simply moved into an empty apartment building and been found by the curmudgeonly landlord and eventually <laughs> adopted along with her dog Brandon and made friends with Cherry and Margot and Alan. But that is not this is no Punky Brewster fantasy. No, no. She is instead forced to be the maid to to Mrs. Vanderpants. Yeah. Which is like the worst thing ever. Yeah. They don't like her. Yep. They treat her like garbage. Yeah. For some reason. I was going to ask, why do you think they treat her so bad? Because they suck. Is it because she's like young and lovely? No, there's other young people there. Is it because she is an accidental like immigrant into their world? Like she didn't choose to this life? I feel like... It's because she, it's obvious that she doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's not really happy with her, with her place. And uh, what, what's fascinating. So this is like a department store. Since this story was written, like, uh, when was it? Like the 19, 1960s, 1950s? 19, story? I don't know. It doesn't say. Um, 
because the story was written at that point of the century, and it's British, this is very much based on department stores uh, before, like, what we think of as department stores now. Like, this is a department store that has literally everything. This is uh, a Paddington Bear department store. Yes, yes. Uh, or uh, Corduroy. Yeah. Yeah, Corduroy with, like, it, it, this is just everything. Uh, it's called Bracey's, which at first I thought was based on Macy's, but then I'm like, no, wait, this is... I think this takes place in England, so it would... But it's just like a, like a, I guess like I don't what I don't know what the English department or Harrods or something like this department store has been around since the 1800s mm-hmm. and uh, yeah and it's like survived the Blitz it survived everything and um, and every once in a while everyone goes out to like see a show and that's when they that's the only time they're seen by people is mm-hmm. when they go out at night to like go see a, like a, a concert or something uh, but this but the, our, our our protagonist meets this young girl Ella. Mm-hmm. and we they don't know develop- how old our protagonist is either yeah he's old enough to be like fed up mm-hmm. but he's also a poet which means he probably got fed up when he was like 23 he probably got fe- he was born fed up let's be real yeah. here <laughs> he's a he's yeah he's you don't get yeah you certainly don't get to know much you certainly never hear any of his poetry yeah um and so he uh he and ella developed this rapport this friendship mm-hmm. and he starts falling in love with her mm-hmm but the relate the, the the feelings aren't reciprocated. No. Because who is she in love with? The Night Watchman. Dun dun dun. Man, the one, the single man, the Night Watch man. The Night Watch man. And I love how she why she fell in love with him. It's uh, so weird. It's creepy and weird. Uh tell us tell us the fun story. I was careless and there he was coming around the corner and there was no place for me. I had this blue dress on. There was only some wax models in their under things. Uh Please go on. I couldn't help it. I slipped off my dress and stood still. I see. And he stopped just by me, Charles, and he looked at me and he touched my cheek. Did he notice nothing? No, it was cold. But Charles, he said, he said, say, honey, I wish they made him like you on 8th Avenue. Charles, wasn't that a lovely thing to say? (laughs) No. (laughs) What is wrong with this night watchman? So the night watchman sees this lovely young mannequin who he thinks is a mannequin. And it's standing there in its undies. Mm Mm-hmm. And he touches it on the cheek. I So they kind of like get around this by saying that like the people who live there are so waxy in complexion anyway that like it's impossible to tell the difference between them and a, a waxy mannequin. Mm-hmm. But presumably she's still like pretty. I guess she's been there her whole life. Maybe she's pretty waxy as well. I don't know. But he touches her and he's like, he basically says, you're a lot prettier than than the sex workers I frequent. Yep. And of course, she doesn't know anything about the world. No, like she at does all. not. So she interprets this as like charming. But the poet, the our, our protagonist is like he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't shatter her illusions. No. And he's actually pretty well, he's somewhat cool about her not being into him. He's a poet, he's dramatic. <laughs> he's dramatic, but he's like, "You know what? I'm not going to like if she's in love with this night watchman, I'm not going to stand in their way." Mm-hmm. However weird that way may be. <laughs> Unfortunately, He's made another kind of... Here's one other guy. The guy who discovered him initially, he kind of thinks this as a friend. And so he spills the beans to this other guy. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> I don't know if I if I found this out from someone. I don't know if I could keep it a secret. <laughs> but he knows what happens to people who break the rules. I mean, he kind of knows. He, But it's just... I mean, she's like, I'm confiding this one thing to you. Please yeah. be cool about it. And he's like, all right. And then the next day, he's like, 
So get this. Ella's in love with the Night Watchman and she That's wants to run like away. That's not like that. He's having a breakdown because of it because he's a poet and he's dramatic. He is dramatic. And he's like freaking out because he's like, maybe he's like, this Night Watchman is bad news. I don't think that they should go off together. <laughs> but you know who else is bad news? Everyone else in this department store. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he knows they're bad. They're creepy ghouls. They 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 would act in league with the nightmen who are mo- most likely the dark can- men. cannibalistic. There's chuds who come into the department store and take away the wrongdoers. That's true. Uh, and, uh, and then what happens? They keep... Uh, what's his face uh roscoe yeah is like i i'll definitely not tell anyone <laughs> and immediately goes and tell mrs vanderpant slash monday yeah and 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 no good comes of it no but he our protagonist makes the gets the idea that he's gonna he's gonna save her and right. the night watchman and the night watchman that's important i think mm-hmm. he's not just gonna save ella uh he's gonna try to save both of them because he he He's going to, because he believes, he believes that like they deserve happiness, mm-hmm. you know, um, but then he sees something horrifying. The, I guess the night gaunts, the night mm-hmm. watch people, the night, carry, the dark the night, man. Yeah. Uh, or somewhat, he, he doesn't say it's the night men. He says he sees them, a group of them mm-hmm. like ants uh, carrying Ella and taking her to the surgical department. They took other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the creatures, the, the, the dark inhuman creatures, as he says, uh, go into where Ella is. Uh, and so his plan is to find the night watchman Mm -hmm. and the two of them are going to save her. Yeah. Um, and he's going to leave the diary he's writing on the counter for people to find. Um, and then how does it end though? Uh, it ends with him finishing the writing and saying if if you get this look for three new figures and also kill all of them you're right he's like we maybe will live but if not there might be three new mannequins in the morning mm-hmm. um and if and if you find and if you find us in that way smoke the last sentences are smoke them out obliterate them avenge us He's a poet. He's dramatic. He is a dramatic poet. And I love the fact that like it, it, you don't find out what happens. No. Like it probably nothing good. Well, if you're talking about shadow monsters at this point. Yeah. I mean, nothing good can come of that. Right. What's a poet going to do? What is a poet going to do? What's interesting is in the, uh, there was a a radio adaptation Mm -hmm. of this story, Uh, a couple of radio adaptations of this story. And one of them starts off with a woman uh, finding the diary when she's shopping at the department store. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the opening like quarter of the of the of the pr- production is her going, "Honey, I found this weird diary with some weird writing in it at the department store." What were you doing at the department store? I was buying that new dress. Another new dress? You buy so many new dresses? This is where all my money's going? Honey, if you'll just listen to me, I found this weird this weird diary. Who cares about a weird diary? You're spending all my money on new dresses. I can't <laughs> believe. 
I work so hard and there's and it goes on like that for like a long time before they even get down to the story of evening primrose. Sounds Suffice like to say, the writer of that segment has some marital problems going on. Or just couldn't flesh out the story enough because it's 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 a pretty poorly reviewed episode of that of that radio show. Mm-hmm. But uh before we move on to the next segment, let's just say like so you said this movie this story was horrific. I hate it. You hate it. Why do you hate it? It's creepy and gross. It's supposed to be creepy and gross, but I don't though. It's hate a horror it. story. I don't like, hate it. I really like the story. I, it just gives me that feeling, you know? Yeah, it's a it's an icky feel. It's an icky story. It's not even, like, just the mannequin thing. It's just how creepy and weird everyone is toward this 19-year-old girl. Yes. Uh, even the narrator mm-hmm. is like, you're like, okay, dude, like, first of all, <laughs> nothing is keeping these people really from just leaving. Yeah. Like, we don't know what happens if you just, if you try to leave and you get caught, you get turned into a mannequin. But if you, if you successfully leave, do they come after you? Like, maybe, but that's weird. And, like, he could just, he never plans to escape with Ella. Like, mm-hmm. that, he never gets that far uh, because she doesn't like him. And so, I don't know, the whole thing is, there's all these little tiny twists and turns you don't expect, and then there's no real ending. Yeah. But they probably die. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so I guess you can see like how it kind of just is kind of like a little Twilight Zone episode. Mm-hmm. Or I guess like a like you would you would see this story adapted in like a like a, a horror comic. Yeah. Yeah. That would be an interesting comic. It would certainly be an interesting comic. It would really make an interesting musical. Who was that guy from Umbrella Academy? I, I don't know which guy from Umbrella Academy. The kid who was in love with the mannequin. I don't know names. I don't know names. Why are you asking me? I'm because no I'm no Gerard Way fan. I never I never traveled the the, the dark circus. What? Or or whatever. The Black Parade? The Black Parade. I never I never listened to no uh my my chemical romance. I'm too old for that. What do I know of the Umbrella Academy? Number five. Um, yeah. What about it? Uh reminds me of the Night Watchman reminds me of him. Oh, I see um very good i wanted to bring that up earlier but you kept talking i am sorry i do talk (laughs) i do talk um so so in 1966 a young stephen sondheim Mm -hmm. was collaborating with uh, playwright william goldman Mm -hmm. on a musical that would end up becoming uh follies uh, Sondheim had written the lyrics for West Side Story, he'd written the lyrics for Gypsy, uh, and he'd also done A Funny Thing Happened in the Way of the Forum, which was a huge hit, and he had done Anyone Can Whistle, which was a huge bomb. <laughs> and they were working on a new musical together, and William Goldman's wife got pregnant, and William Goldman said, "I need a, we need a bigger apartment. Yeah. What can we do to make some money very quick? And Stephen Sondheim was like, well, maybe we can write a musical for television really fast. And so there was a TV show called Stage 67, mm-hmm. which was just getting off the ground. It hadn't even premiered yet. Uh, but they needed, there was going to be a weekly arts show. Mm-hmm. And and so they contacted the producers and were like, do you want a new musical from Sondheim and Goldman? And they were like, I, I, guess, I guess we'll pay you money. And Sondheim's like, you know who I'm friends with? I'm friends with. Tony Perkins, Anthony Perkins, the 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 lead in Psycho, and he does stage stuff. He's a good actor. I'll cast him. 
And uh, we can get the woman who played Liesel in The Sound of Music. <laughs> and uh, we can throw together a musical. It'll be like an hour long. And uh, we'll film it. And uh, we'll film it in a real department store. <laughs> uh, yeah, Charmaine Carr is her name. And uh, we'll do an adaptation of uh, this this weird short story that that's creepy and kind of gross. <laughs> uh, so what can you tell me about the musical of uh, Evening Primrose? I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Uh, not really my thing. Not really your cup of tea. No. <laughs> it's a strange musical. Yeah. Like it's it's a really strange musical. It, hey, it's an hour long, but it only has like four songs. Yep. Uh, so they're they're kind of spaced out. Mm-hmm. And it changes the short story substantially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it still has like the dark men. Hmm. It still has uh it still has like the, why, the matriarch. Why did they change the matriarch's name? Probably because Vanderpant is like a weird last name. And Monday isn't? Uh, it's easier to say. Maybe maybe it's easier to understand on old television speakers. Oh, yeah, probably. Like that's one of those weird things. You're like, how much of a how many of these choices are just they had to make them because that's just those are the options they had. Or like, you yeah. know, you can't have too weird of a name because it's hard to understand. But uh, yeah, so William Goldman wrote the book and Sondheim wrote the songs. Um, and Wait, you mean the script? The script of a musical is called the book. Okay. It's called the book of a musical. Oh, sorry. Sorry to get all theater technical on you. No, I was just confused. So, they cha- so, so it changes plot points. So it adds, of course, it fleshes out the characters quite a bit. Well, they turned a 10-page story into an hour-long musical, so they had to add some things. Yes. Uh, yeah, and the, in, in the musical, the two of them fall in love. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which, you know, it's a musical. You gotta have... Right. You can't have the protagonist be a weird, creepy poet who lives in the shadows. Uh, but they do have her be... I mean, she's already naive, but they really play up her naivete. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's four songs. Uh, the opening song is called If You Can Find Me, I'm Here, which is, I'm not gonna lie, one of my favorite Sondheim songs ever. Uh, although I do prefer Mandy Patinkin's cover of it to Anthony Perkins' rendition of it, because Mandy mm-hmm. Patinkin gets all Mandy Patinkin-y. If you can find me, I'm here. He really just like belts it out. Okay. Uh, one of the most famous Sondheim songs in the Sondheim uh, catalog, I Remember, sung by Ella, mm-hmm. uh, where she's trying to rem- remember the few things she remembers of the outside world, but she can only compare them to things in the department store. She's been in there for 13 years. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. You could leave. <laughs> yeah, but she can't. She's she's scared and she doesn't know how to. There's this, a duet called When mm-hmm. that they sing together, which is a beautiful song. And then uh, Ella sings Take Me to the World, which is another one of the most famous Sondheim songs. Although it's usually a famous Sondheim solo, mm-hmm. uh, but this he, he has a counterpoint in it. I have seen the world. Uh, beautiful. I love the songs from Evening Primrose. Yeah, it seems uh, like for a... I mean, is this a super well-known musical? We'll get to that. <laughs> it, it has a weird history. So uh, how do they change the ending, though? You know what happens to them. <laughs> yeah, what happens to them? They get turned into mannequins. Uh, they hus- totally do. A bride and groom mannequin. Yeah. In the, yeah. yeah. Uh, with the Night Watchman, though. Mm-hmm. He gets turned into the minister who's presiding over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a creepy little, a creepy little uh, show. 
Uh, it premiered and aired once and was a bomb. It was not successful at all. Wasn't the wasn't stage sixty seven also just not successful at all? It was just not a successful show. Yeah, uh, it was directed by uh, a TV director. Um, it was filmed in uh, a department store. They could only film like at night. Well, most of this story takes place at night, anyways. But it, interestingly enough, it was filmed in color and broadcast in color. Why? But what? Why? What, what do you mean? It was Why a color was it? show. Yeah, okay. I just, I feel like black and white would be more appropriate for this story. <laughs> well, so what's interesting is, so it, it came out and people, no one cared. Like, no one cared. Uh, Sondheim wasn't a big name, so people weren't going to make a big deal out of it. Uh, it wasn't a successful show. And it literally disappeared mm-hmm. uh, completely, except for... Some people had weird, really, like, really hard to distinguish, like, the so bad, uh, like, bootleg videotapes of it mm-hmm. uh, that you could only find, like, in the black market. Like, you had to be, like, in the know. And then you literally, I had seen that before, and you could not tell what was happening on screen, mm-hmm. like, much of the time. And then in 2010, uh, a 16-millimeter copy was just discovered uh, in black and white, uh just it just oh my god someone found it not the color telecast only this black and white 16 millimeter copy that was restored and released on dvd and that's the version that you saw mm-hmm. this restoration of it um but for many years the only thing we knew about this musical was the songs yeah and uh, Mandy Patinkin and Bernadette Peters recorded the four songs for one of Mandy Patinkin's uh, solo albums mm-hmm. and that's how i knew it from like high school up i just knew these four songs from this musical that i didn't even know the plot to yeah <laughs> called evening primrose i had never read the short story because john collier's stories were out of print at this point like john collier had been forgotten uh the story had been forgotten the musical had been forgotten and it wasn't until 2010 that all of a sudden people could experience Evening Primrose again. It's like uh, the guy who needed the apartment made a deal with a demon. <laughs> and like, I need the money for this apartment. And the demon was like, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a book for this musical. Yeah. And, but the, the thing is, is no one will ever remember it and it will be lost until you die. <laughs> and, all of the all of everything about it that I have given you and stuff like the short story will also disappear. Yeah. And because of that, John Collier faded into obscurity along yep. with <laughs> But he got that apartment. Yeah. In that and baby. that's that's why the song survived, because Sondheim didn't make this deal with Son. Yeah, he didn't make that deal. Um That's so why yes. that's how I think it went. <laughs> So uh, I grew up with the songs in that way. Uh, Liz Calway and Gary Beach recorded them in 1997. Uh, in 2001, Neil Patrick Harris and Teresa McCarthy recorded the songs for a studio recording. Uh-huh. Uh, and most people who are Sondheim fans, like musical theater people, they know the song I Remember. They know Take Me to the World. Those have appeared in a million Sondheim reviews and on a million solo albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just recently, in 2016... I have not heard this. Barbara Streisand recorded Take Me to the World with Antonio Banderas. Well, damn. 
for her album uh, Encore, Movie Partners Seeing Broadway. Uh, and Sondheim, I guess, rewrote the lyrics for it, which he has done for Barbara Streisand in the past to, mm-hmm. to fit the themes of her albums. So uh, if you can find that one, it's there. Uh, listen to that. But uh, if you had to, if you personally had to choose between uh, the musical or the book, which would you recommend? Are you, is that a serious question? If you could choose the story, the short story or the musical, what would you, what would you, what would you recommend? The short story. Okay. I'm <laughs> just checking. I'm just checking. <laughs> uh, I don't know which one. I like the short story, but as far as musical theater history goes, I find the musical fascinating. Uh, Anthony Perkins is not much of a singer, unfortunately. Uh, he sells the songs, but he can't belt them out. Like I believe the opening should be sung. So I recommend listening to Manny Patinkin and Bernadette Peters tear them apart uh what's funny though is that a few of the songs have recently gotten a lot more play because they were on the stephen sondheim 90th birthday Mm -hmm. uh show that came on uh where all the people were performing from their living rooms because of covid yeah and a couple of uh evening primrose songs were sung basically i i think i remember and i think take me to the world because they were basically about being isolated and mm-hmm. not being able to go outside which makes them very poignant so people have been like reviewing evening primrose again and i believe there was a covid uh uh, uh like zoom cast of a performance of evening primrose hey question i don't actually know if the guy who wanted the apartment is dead <laughs> uh, william goldman yeah uh, he's dead okay i was yeah. like i just said this guy is dead but i don't actually know if he's dead he is dead stephen sondheim is alive he's 90 years old yeah and uh william goldman unfortunately uh died in 2018 uh and you know he he william goldman wrote uh the princess bride Mm -hmm. that's his like big famous like most i mean not even his most famous thing but that is one of the most famous things that he did it was william goldman right yes i'm not thinking of william goldman's I'm not thinking of uh, no, no, it's James Goldman. No, it's William Goldman. It was definitely William Goldman. Yeah, okay. I googled it. Nope. No. Nope. Oh no, it's... he did the movie The Princess Bride. No, I'm thinking. God what? dang it! I am thinking of James Goldman. What are you talking about? James Goldman did the book for Evening. Worked with collaborated with Stephen Sondheim on on Evening Primrose and and. <laughs> and follies not william goldman james goldman and william goldman are brothers and i always forget which one did which william goldman did princess bride butch cassidy and the sundance kid etc james goldman did the lion in winter they might be giants and uh and the play version of oliver twist Mm -hmm. they're both very famous screenwriters and playwrights james goldman died a whole 20 years before the other one. James Goldman died in 1998. Yes. William Goldman died 20 years later. I am sorry, listeners. You've probably been screaming at your radio this entire time. Radio? You know, the radio where they listen to this radio show. (laughs) Ugh, I'm stupid. I will put a disclaimer at the beginning saying that I confuse William Goldman and James Goldman repeatedly throughout this entire broadcast. Yes, the broadcast for our radio show that we our definitely fa- do. Our famous radio show. <laughs> it's Del Toro time. The least Del Toro-centric radio show on the planet. Guillermo Del Toro 
has not been mentioned on this show in months. Months, I say. Hey, maybe he's a fan of the or of Evening Primrose. Maybe he is. I will never know. Guillermo del Toro on Twitter, add us with your favorite sh- horror short stories, and we'll do a do an episode on them. However, it makes far more sense that this story is in the color of evil section of The Dark Descent. Yes. It is a very evil short story. Yes. Um, what's weird is he says, uh, 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 Hartwell says in his little intro to it, as you as you said last episode, you read out the, the, yes. the, the most ordinary and seductive of middle class environments, the department store, the abode of grotesques. Mm-hmm. He calls it a subversive little moral tale. Mm-hmm. But I don't really see it as a moral tale. The moral of the story is don't abandon society for a for a underground society of mole people who abuse a nineteen <laughs> year old girl. And that's one to grow on. Yep. Um so so we're gonna be continuing our 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 tales of or, of morality, uh not really, in the next next episode of the dark descent uh willow what is our next short story our next short story is the ash tree by mr james now i do love mr james and i do love the ash tree it's not mr james (laughs) (laughs) mr james so we're going from john collier a long forgotten uh frequently out of print writer to mr james the writer who essentially invented the 20th century ghost story and has yeah. never been out of print and has one of the longest runs of, of ghost stories uh, in history. So we're going from a forgotten British writer to one of the most famous uh, British horror writers. Uh, this is also you... a very short story. Yeah, M.R. James, he, uh, he, uh, he kept it's them quick. It's only one page longer than the one we just read. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Mr. James is... <laughs> Although the... we... <laughs> We somehow managed to make this episode equally as long as our episodes about movies. Okay, uh, we, 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 you know, uh, I have an excuse for that. A, I talk a lot. And B, uh, I, we reviewed a, a TV show as well. That's true. Uh, fortunately for us, The Ash Tree also has a very famous adaptation. Are you kidding me? <laughs> also has a very, very famous adaptation. It was... Uh, We'll get to that later on. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to The Dark Descent. Thank you so much for listening to our coverage of John Collier's uh, Evening Primrose. If you want to check it out, buy a copy of this book. Uh, Anything else, Willow? Uh, Have uh, our wonderful radio show listeners have a lovely day. (laughs) Uh, uh, Keep listening to this show. Keep telling people about it. We're still recording. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Phil. And I'm Willow. And we'll see you when it's it's Del Toro Toro time. time.